Thank you, Jesus. Well, it's good to be in the presence of God this morning with y'all. You know, yesterday, uh, Ashley was ministering in Abilene. I think a few, a couple of you went, uh, and uh, at a ladies' re- retreat or conference or one day, what it, ladies' seminar, whatever they they called it. Uh, what they call it, the spirit and fire. So uh, there's a little bit of spirit and fire there, I heard. So uh, we we got a little bit of overflow there, and. Uh, Felicia was there, and a couple of the rest of y'all there, um, and there was ladies from from all over uh, West Texas. So that was cool. Uh, lots in the Abilene area. Um, you know, it's good when when you're reminded that uh, that God's still at work. Did you know that? (laughs) Man, it's just like sometimes we just get where we're just going through the motions, you know, where we just, you know, we like predictability, don't we? Some of us do, at least. Some of you like spontaneity. Um, And we, those of us that don't envy you, Sometimes, other times we hate you, but um, maybe the hate is a strong word, strongly dislike, Um, but you need, when you, you need something to get you out of the dry place, sometimes you need it, you need a change, you need to, you need to take a step, you need to just do something different. Because uh, if your life is, if your life can be explained without Jesus, then maybe you're not living the life Jesus wants you to live. If any human could live the life you're living without Jesus, then we need to ask a question that says, what's, what's in my life that's supernatural? What's in my life that's a change that only Jesus could do? What is in my life? And don't ask the question condemningly. So if you're hearing... If you're hearing a scolding right now, just, just remove the scolding, but hear the truth. What in my life can only be attributed to the miracle working power of God? And if I can't think of something, then I go, Lord, what's going on? I know it's not you. <laughs> I know it's there's nothing wrong with you. And... We need to hear what God is saying to us. There's, there's no answer. There's no formula. There's no, like, if you just do this, if you just play this song on your, on your worship list, uh, it's going to happen. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's whatever the Spirit is doing in the moment. You have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You have to hear what God is saying to you. So turn, let's turn to Ezekiel 37 before I preach a different message. <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were done with the valleys and mountains, but there's, there's at least one more valley we're going to. So this is a famous account that Ezekiel the prophet has, Ezekiel chapter 37. 
about right in the middle of your Bible there, just to the right. Um, maybe nine-sixteenths of the way in the Bible, something like that, right in the middle there. But Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, this is probably the most famous chapter from the book of Ezekiel. Uh, even if you've never read Ezekiel, you may have heard of this story or read it or it makes it even in the children's Bibles sometimes uh, because it's so so dramatic. But let me tell you a little bit about Ezekiel because we need to we need to understand who this guy is. So Ezekiel is is a prophet who lived in the Old Testament times, right around the end of the the kingdom of Judah. When they those there was two kingdoms, God's people broke into two kingdoms, Judah and Israel. Ten tribes were with Israel and two tribes were with Judah. Both of them didn't follow what the Lord said. They disobeyed God and God warned them over hundreds of years. You got to remember this. This is like passage of time is like generation upon generation upon generation. I mean, can you think about, Greg, think about the change that's happened just in this last generation from the 50s to... The twenties. <laughs> We're in the twenties now. Uh, what a dramatic change has happened in our world. But in the Old Testament, there was there was generation after generation, and God was patient for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. God doesn't run out of patience. He's not. He it says he's slow to anger. So even if you read the Old Testament, there's some times where the Anger of God is released, but you know, he was very slow to get that way. He didn't just fly off the handle. It wasn't just like, ah, I'm just, you know, really ticked at you now. So I'm just going to send you away. So the northern tribe, the kingdom of Israel, they were, God kept warning them. And he finally said, somebody's going to take you away. And they, they, were, they were taken captive. They were removed from their country. And then God kept saying it to the, to the nation of Judah, you're, you're, You've got to turn back to me. You've got to turn back to me. You've got to turn back to me. And over and over again, they didn't really fully turn back to the Lord. And so Ezekiel is right here speaking, right in this, right in this transition time, right before Judah is taken away and after they have been taken captive to Babylon. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we, we have no frame of reference in the United States of America. I mean, what's happening is... Somebody else comes to you, rips you and your family out of your home, and forcefully removes you to live in captivity and slavery in another country. That's pretty hardcore right there. I mean, we can say, oh, it's getting bad, but it ain't getting that bad. We aren't there yet. I'm not saying we won't get there. I don't know. But that's what happened to the, to the people of uh, the people of God is they were they were they were forcefully removed from the promised land. Not only was it the land that they were living in, but this is the land of a promise. And so Ezekiel begins to speak. He begins to have visions. Ezekiel is probably the most uh, one of the most, if not the most, supernatural books in the Old Testament. People say, oh, it gets all weird and, you know, 
God does interesting things, and he doesn't, he doesn't, no, he's always been doing strange and interesting things. Doesn't mean that everything strange and interesting is God. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is sometimes when, the, when God does something supernatural, you should know something's going on. And over and over again, Ezekiel has these encounters with God. He has visions where heaven opens up and he sees this amazing encounter. He sees the presence of God. He has, an, he has a vision of, of the temple and the Spirit of God himself leaving the temple, the dwelling place of God. He actually leaves and says, I'm leaving. My presence is departing from you. He has these encounters where, uh, is it him or is it Ezekiel or Isaiah It says that, that he stripped off all his clothes and laid on his side for long periods of time. And you're like, that's God. It was God. <laughs> I'm not saying to do that. <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't that be something? Um, so Ezekiel could rightfully be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Anybody heard of the book of Acts in the New Testament? That's like, that's really, it's called the Acts. Really, it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, you know, in the New Testament, the church is born. Miracles and amazing things break out because God says, I'm going to send my, pour my spirit out and on all flesh. And, you know, there's going to be things that happen. And when the Holy Spirit is poured out, things begin to happen in the book of Acts. But in the Old Testament, there were things being happened because the Spirit of God was moving upon people. And Ezekiel was one of the ones who was open and the Holy Spirit began to move upon him. But he's, most of his things is an urgent pleading to a people who's going away from God, who he's just saying, come back, would you come back? Would you come back? So we come to Ezekiel 37. They've been taken captive. They've been in captivity for a while. And so Ezekiel begins to... He begins to prophesy of restoration. He begins to speak of new life. He begins to speak of them coming out of their captivity, about walking in the promise. One of the most amazing descriptions of Jesus and the change he brings in his heart is in Ezekiel 36, 26, where Ezekiel says, God says to you, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, a tender heart, a responsive heart, and I'm going to use that heart, and then you'll get, you're going to obey me. You're going to walk with me. You're going to follow me. You're, you're not going to stumble anymore. It's not going to be the way it used to be. There's going to be something new. It's like one of the greatest promises in the Old Testament of the New Testament, of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so right after that is when Ezekiel has this encounter with God, and we're going to read about it here. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1, and it says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, and he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? 
And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. We didn't sing that song, did we? (laughs) I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath. From the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. So now we get the interpretation of the vision. He's saying, what? What am I seeing here? What's going on, God? And they say our houses, wait, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it, declares the Lord. This is one of the most dramatic encounters with God in in the Old Testament that happens. And Ezekiel uh, has this amazing encounter with God. And there's so much there's so much promise here. I mean, first of all, if a Pentecostal preacher can't preach from Ezekiel 37, they should be fired. <laughs> if you can't get excited about dry bones and prophesying and the spirit of God, then there's something something wrong with with me. I'm not talking to you because you're not the Pentecostal preacher. Um, <clears throat> but there's something I, I, I want to bring out a few things here from from this passage and 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 make some application is number one is this. We find ourselves many times in a valley of dry bones. I mean, that's when you're in that place where there's just no freshness. There's, there's no life. There's, no, there's, there's nothing happening. It seems like, you know, it seems like we're just like the Israelites where they said, you know, my hope is gone and I'm cut off. Like I'm in that place where I'm just like, it seems like there's no, that God, you're not doing anything. 
where there's, there's nothing going on and there's, there's no hope and there's, there's no way out. And it's in those places where we must begin to once again hear the voice of God and speak the word of God. Notice that Ezekiel had a choice. Ezekiel had a choice. He could choose to say what was being moved in his spirit or he could be quiet. He could have said, maybe somebody else will pick this up. I mean, God even asked him a question. Whenever God asks people a question in the Bible, he doesn't need information. (laughs) Right? (laughs) When God asks a question in the Bible, it's because he wants you to have the answer. He wants to share revelation with you. In other words, he wasn't like, Ezekiel, can these bones live? I I really don't know. Can you please inform me? God didn't need information. Just a reminder, if God asks you a question... He's not looking for an informational answer. (laughs) Just like when we looked at Elijah, you know, where where God comes to Elijah and says, Hey, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he gives a factual informational answer. Well, God, if you haven't noticed, I've done this, this, and then I've been running away and people are chasing me and now I'm here and I'm the only one. And God's like, "Uh, what are you doing here? (laughs) Because he asks you again. And so he asks... Ezekiel, the question, can these bones live? Because God already knows the answer. The Lord already knows the answer. But he wants us to join in with what he's doing. Couldn't God himself have breathed life into the bones and said the same words that Ezekiel said? Have you ever tried to get your kids to do something, and then you just say, forget it, never mind, I'm just going to take care of it? <laughs> Some of you are like, no. <laughs> I was a good parent. I made them learn. Okay, well, <laughs> sometimes you get to that place where you're just like, if you're trying to train someone up in something, it's sometimes easier just to do it yourself, right? That's why some of us are just like, we don't ever have any help. Some of us, this is just a practical thing. Like, oh, no one's helping me. It's because you won't let them. <laughs> I must be hitting a chord here because everybody's laughing like, ah, ha, ha, like that laugh. Like, ha, ha, that might be, that might be me, but I'm not going to say. <laughs> if you're sitting next to one of those people, no, <laughs> do nothing right now. So, I mean, it's, it's so easy sometimes just to, I'm just going to do it myself. But aren't you glad that God doesn't just say, I'm just going to do it myself? I mean, actually, sometimes I wish he would. <laughs> Can you just do it yourself, God? But that's not the way he, he, he works in our world most of the time. Have you noticed it? Have you noticed throughout the Bible, after creation... God is moving upon human beings to respond to him because he says, look, I created you in my image. You're my representative. You've been put in charge of creation. You've been put in charge of this earth, and I'm giving you authority. And I know we we gave it away to the enemy and sin and all those things came into the world because of us. 
And then God says, I'm going to do something, but I'm going to come as a man and I'm going to make choices. And I'm going to redeem this world and I'm going to make all things new ultimately again. But every single time in Scripture, almost without fail, he invites somebody to do it with him. This is his invitation to Ezekiel to say, son of man, in other words, you have an opportunity to partner with what God is doing on earth. What a privilege that is to be able to speak the word of God, to be able to, to minister life to someone. What a privilege it is. And so God invites and Ezekiel says, okay, oh God, you know. And so God says, prophesy. And so what does Ezekiel? He just does what God tells him to do. He just says what God tells him to say. And what happens when Ezekiel speaks? It happens. That sometimes in the middle of our valleys where there's dry bones, God, the Holy Spirit, is going to come to you and say, prophesy. It's a great churchy word. What does that mean? What does it mean to prophesy? Well, for those of you that have been coming on Wednesday nights, you can probably instruct me. <laughs> You've been doing that for eight weeks. But, uh, but for those of you that haven't been there, to prophesy simply means this, to speak forth with your own mouth the words of God. To say what God is saying. And for some reason, God sometimes says, it's not going to happen until you say it, even though I'm wanting to say it. Some of us need to know that, that we're the ones that sometimes have to make the declaration in our family. We have to make the declaration. We have to, we have to speak to the deadness and the dryness and the lifelessness, whatever is there. We have to say, Lord, I declare life in this moment right now in this situation. And again, it's not on our own. We're not going rogue. We're not making this stuff up. This is not just, I want to declare what I want to declare and it's going to happen. No, this is, I've been commanded and moved by the Lord. And when he tells me to say something, I say it and then it happens. But sometimes we don't go far enough. We speak and we get a little bit of rattling going on, right? We get a little bit of noise. We get a little warm feeling inside, right? <laughs> oh, God's doing something. Oh, there's a, there's a little bit of movement. Oh, and we, and we settle for just the bones rattling. We, we settle for just God doing a little bit. We settle for just a, a good experience with God. In other words, where it's like, oh, I, I, felt, I felt God. Okay, that's enough. And God sometimes he says, look, that's, that's good, that's not bad, but keep going. Sometimes there's something that's brought to life, but it has no breath, it has no life in it. I mean, Ezekiel does that and says, look, and it says the bones come together. I mean, whether he was actually seeing this in a vision, whether he was really carried to a valley, or whether this was a, just a spiritual experience, I'm not sure. But he saw, he could hear sounds, he could feel things, he could see things. And he saw the bones come together and 
What did that look like? It probably looked creepy, first of all. <laughs> the video on this is going to look cool uh, when we get to play-by-play in heaven, right? Can I watch that one, Lord? I want to see what, what did that look like. What did, what did Ezekiel actually see? But it says there's no life in them. You know, it's interesting. Um, there we go. The, the word for breath, wind, and spirit are all the same word in Hebrew. Just think about this passage. Think about how many times it starts off with the spirit of the Lord catching Ezekiel away into a valley. And then he says, prophesy to the wind so that they will bring the breath of life into the, these beings. It's all, all the same word. Ruach is, is, the, is the same word. And isn't it amazing that, you know, the Holy Spirit is a repre- you know, sometimes represented by what? Wind. We say that the wind of the Spirit is, is blowing. We say that, that, you know, there used to be a old song, you know, Oh, sweet wind, come and blow over me. That's one of, it's one of those ones when you show up in church, you've never been in church, and you like, you go, <laughs> it's like we just sing about rain and wind, and you're like, what, is this like a weather thing? Or like, <laughs> like does everybody want to be meteorologists here or something? <laughs> Sometimes we just have to think about what we're doing and like going, people don't know what's going on, <laughs> and we need to explain it. But the wind of the Holy Spirit went... In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit actually comes on the people of God and comes to live in them and dwell in them permanently as, as, as the followers uh, of Jesus Christ, what does it say happened? It said they, they did, there wasn't actual wind. There was no wind. They only, they, it says they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind, but they didn't feel anything. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that get your attention? We know wind, right? May I know wind in West Texas? <laughs> I know wind right here. I get it right, you know, we all get it right here. We know wind. Can you imagine wind, the sound of wind, but there's nothing that you feel on your skin? <laughs> That'd be crazy, yeah. That's what happened when the Holy Spirit came. There was wind and there was fire because that was the representative of the presence of God. And so right here, you've got the same thing happening with with Ezekiel. God says to him, hey, prophesy to the four winds, in other words, to the north, the south, the east, and the west, and say, come, wind, and bring life. Come, spirit, and bring life. Come, breath, and give breath. It's all the same word. It's it's all the, the, the life of God comes in the presence of God. You know, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Sometimes we we confuse the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. And we feel like he's just a force. You know, have you ever heard, you know, oh, the spirit is really flowing. It's, should never use it. 
Because the life of God and the breath of God is a person. His name is Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about him a lot in the New Testament. He says, hey, when the Comforter comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. Not it, not just a feeling, not just the power of God. No, this is a personal encounter with God himself. And in order for someone to truly have life in them, they need a personal encounter with God himself. Without a personal encounter, we're just a shell. We're just, we're just skin and bones. We're just like this, this army that came up and says, hey, there's, there's skin, there, there's bones, there's tendon, but there's no breath. In other words, there's, they're, they're not alive. They're dead. And it's only the Spirit of God that can bring true life into our dead spiritual state. And why does this all happen? Why, why, does, why does Ezekiel have this encounter and, and breathe life? They become a vast army. And God says, hey, this is, this is my people. This is what my people look like. They look like they're dead. They look like they're dry. They look like they're lifeless. But guess what? I'm going to bring new life. I'm going to bring hope. I'm going to bring a release of something that's good. And they're not... They, Whatever they believe is not really true. That they, we have dried up and our hope is gone and we're cut off. It's not true. And I'm going to open their graves and I'm going to bring them up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. And then he says this phrase in verse 13. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. And I started, I, and it says it again right at the end. And I said, I wonder how many times that phrase shows up in the book of Ezekiel. Is it just here? Is it Because he says, then you'll know. In other words, all this is about that you know me. That you know that I am who I say I am. That I am the Lord. In your Bible, I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again because there's, there's, there's people who have never heard that maybe. But if you notice in your Bible... That Lord is capitalized in verse 13 there. It's L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D. What that means is this is the divine name of God. Whenever you're reading in the Old Testament and your Bible has Lord in all caps, that's the name Yahweh, or as we used to know it as Jehovah. It's the personal name of God that God revealed to Moses when he had the encounter with God at the burning bush. And Moses says, who are you and who should I say sent me? And he says, I am. And so whenever you see that, it's, it's like the personal name of God. In the Old Testament, his name is Yahweh. In the New Testament, he reveals another one of his personal names, Jesus. And so he says, then you will know that I am the Lord. And he says in verse 14, I'll put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it. 
This phrase in the book of Ezekiel shows up way more than in any other book in the Old Testament. It shows up 54 times. 54 times is the exact phrase, then you shall know that I am the Lord. Any encounter with God is meant for us to know Him better. It's not so that we just have an experience with Him. It's not just so that we feel good. It's not so that we can, you know, just have an emotional lift. It's so that we get to know the Lord. And we get to know that He is who He says He is. That He has not changed. That every good thing about who God is, every holy thing about who God is, every perfect thing about who God is, every loving thing about who God is, is still the same. I mean, it's the core scripture of four square. It's on the back wall. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. I'm meant to change. I have to change. I'm the one being transformed. But he isn't changing. But I have to have a revelation of who he is. Over and over again in Ezekiel, all that God is trying to say is, get to know me. Then you'll know. A lot of it, he's speaking judgment. He's prophesying like, there's something really bad going to happen to me. And then you'll know that I'm the Lord because that's what matters. If you get that who I am, if you understand who I am. In Ephesians chapter 1, isn't that what Paul prays? He says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding, that you have the spirit of the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better in the knowledge of God. To have a revelation of the character and the heart of God. Because all our encounters with God, all our walking through the valleys or the mountains, all the seasons that we're in is so that we get to know Him. In the New Testament, Jesus is trying to get everybody's attention to let them know, I'm Him. I'm the Lord. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? He says, Religious people, you know the Bible really well. But you don't see that it's pointing to me. It's all pointing to me. And won't you come to me and what? Receive life. And that's the core of when we're in a valley place is there's two responses. Sometimes we're in the place of the bones. Sometimes we're in the place of Ezekiel. When you're in the place of the bones, you need somebody else sometimes to come alongside you and speak life into your situation. That's why we need one another. But it's not so you can be amazed at any, anybody else in your life. It's so that you get to know the Lord. You get to know who He really is. Because the more you know Him, the more you will trust Him. The more you know Him, the more you'll begin to act like Him. And the more you know Him, then the more you'll be sensitive and you'll get to be the Ezekiel for somebody else. You'll get to the one who shows up 
and you look at someone else's life and God says, can this person be changed and saved? And we have to say, God, only you know that. And then he says, speak life. You say something. You do it. You speak the life that God has given you. You speak the truth that God is declaring over your families, over your children. You have to do it. You've got to speak life. You've got to know the heart of the Father. We can't just go with just religious traditions anymore. We can't just go through the motions anymore. I don't think we really could before, but it seemed like we could. But we can't go through the motions anymore. It's either got to be God or it's not. We don't want we don't want a substitution. I don't want a poor substitution to be a representation of God to someone else, of who Jesus is to someone else. Yahweh, God of all creation, is to somebody else. And when we speak the words of God, it brings the revelation of who He is. You know, in 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about prophecy. And it, and it says, it says, if people who don't know God come and you're all declaring, you're all prophesying, this is what they'll do. They'll say this, surely God is here. Surely the Lord is here. Because when you're speaking the words of God, it's a revelation of who he is. I can't convince anybody that Jesus is real. But I can speak the truth that he gives me. And the breath of God gives life in that moment. And so I encourage you. Say things out loud. J.D. taught me that. We want to do things in our head, right? I'm just going to pray in my head. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a communication with God personally on your own. I'm not saying you can't do that. But if you want to see God move, sometimes God says, I want, to, I want you to hear your voice. I want you to speak something out. Demons can't read your mind. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> you can't think the devil away. You speak the devil away. You use your authority. You speak truth. You declare it out loud. And so, I mean, I just, this is just a practical thing. Say some things out loud. If you're praying silently all the time, keep the silent prayers. That's fine. I want you to pray. But sometimes, let it out of your mouth. Say something out loud. It helps you, helps you believe it, too. Some, you know, it's like as Ezekiel is speaking, I think he's, you know, he starts to hear the rattling. He's like, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> right? If you hear the rattling, keep going. 
You're like, I'm beginning to see things happen. I'm beginning to see a little bit. I'm beginning to see light in my family. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't, don't stop the path that you're on. Continue to see breakthrough. Continue to declare life in Jesus' name. And it's all as he's commanding. Notice over and over again, he's just saying what God gives him to say. It's not him coming up with his own thing. You don't have to necessarily come up with it. Find truth in the word and declare it. Speak it out. Say it over your family. Say it over your life. Read it out loud. There's power when you declare the truth of God. It helps us. Faith comes by hearing. How do I hear? With my ears. Sometimes faith comes by hearing my own mouth speak the word of God. Thank you, Lord. Just know if you're in a dry place, the wind of God is coming. (laughs) The wind of God is coming. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Just begin to praise God right now, right where you're at. Just begin to thank Him. Just begin to worship Him, God. We just minister to you. Go ahead and do it out loud. You can do it out loud. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Oh, we, we declare life. Just begin to declare life over situations. You got someone in your family who needs life, just declare them. If they need salvation, let's declare life over them. Let's declare truth over them. Let's declare open hearts. We declare that right now in the name of Jesus. I declare open hearts over those hearts that have been closed, those hearts that have been hard, those hearts that have seemed like they've wandered away, God, those hearts that are trapped in addiction, those lives that are trapped in addiction. We say, come, Holy Spirit, come, Lord, and deliver them. Let, Lord, let the truth, let them know the truth, and the truth will set them free. God, we declare freedom that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit, and bring freedom in those situations, in those people's lives, God. Come and bring refreshing in the dry places, Lord. We just declare the power of the Holy Spirit to be released in our situations, God. In our own lives, we declare the power of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God to be released. We thank you for wisdom and revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. God, we thank you that we want to see people get to know you better, ourselves included. And so we declare life once again. We declare hope where there's no hope. There's a situation where there's no hope. Lord, where there's people who have given up right now. God, we declare hope over them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just, I just thank you for every single one of us, Lord, that we'll be tuned in to what you're saying to us. Where If we're like Ezekiel and you need, to, you need to bring us somewhere, whether that's just spiritually, whatever that is, that we will follow you to that valley. We will follow you to that place. And it might even be a place of destruction. It might be a place where it looks like there's death, but you are leading us there to speak life, to speak truth, to speak hope. And to bring a revelation of your character, O oh God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We worship you, O oh God. We worship you, O oh Lord. We declare 
We declare freedom, God. We declare wisdom, God, in Jesus' name. You said that anybody who lacks wisdom, we need to ask God, who gives generously. We declare the truth of the word that says when we ask for wisdom, we will receive it, God. We thank you for wisdom being released in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's have our leaders come on up. If you need prayer, won't you, won't you come on up and receive prayer before you go? That the Holy Spirit is, is still moving and doing things. So if you need prayer, if you need to give your heart to Jesus, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about here. Uh, I don't even know who Jesus is. Come on up and talk to one of these people before you leave. If you need healing in your body, if you just need uh, encouragement, if you need a financial miracle, uh, you need something in your family that you want somebody to agree with you, uh, don't leave without receiving prayer. So if you need prayer, come on up. Uh, if you don't need prayer, you're free to be released whenever you're ready. And God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.